0: Okay, I have a question. Did everyone get what they wanted for Christmas? Some of you are thinking, no, but the day is young. (laughs) I remember one of the best toys I got as a child was a plastic gun that shot little plastic bullets that went about three feet before gravity sucked them to the ground. But, oh, man. I don't know what it is about little boys and guns, but Kim says you give a boy a sandwich and chances are he will chew it into one of those (laughs) Glock 9-something. For me, I think it was that sense of power, right? But that sense of power didn't last long because um, I'm not even sure my precious little plastic gun made it to New Year's Day, you know, because I play hard. And it was plastic. Did I mention that? Or maybe for you, the highlight would be that special meal that you share this time of year. Anyone want to know what Martha Stewart's having uh, today? Voila. How many times... Have you pushed away from that that Christmas meal, that special meal, (laughs) vowing never to eat again? You showed no restraint. You had seconds, and now you're just, whoa, I will never eat again, yet you do eat again. Because even (laughs) a feast, a sumptuous meal, cannot sustain us for very long. I think of the Israelites. Tired of God's provision. What was God's provision in the wilderness for 40 years? So so There's like no supermarkets there. There's not even a lot of, uh, you know, crops or or, uh, game. And and there's a couple of million people. (laughs) And God gave them something called manna. It would fall from heaven. And and it would come every morning. It was like dew, and they would just on the on the ground, and they would collect it up, just what they needed for that day. They had to trust God just for that day. They couldn't collect some for tomorrow, or it would rot. You just he just said, just trust me, day by day. Let's have this kind of intimate relationship and rapport. And it tasted. It said it, they said like like honey wafers. This wasn't something Mary Poppins had to put sugar in to get you to take a spoonful of medicine. This, this it tasted good. It, it satisfied them. It was delicious, but it also was nutritious. Everything that they needed, but it wasn't enough for them. And they demanded from God quail burgers. You remember? Where's the meat, they said. And they complained against God. Evidently, they didn't realize 1400 years before Christ how cool it was to be a vegan. Where's the meat? Moses rebuked them in Numbers eleven twenty, 20, beginning in verse 18. You have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Oh, that someone would give us meat to eat, for we were well off in Egypt. <laughs> what? Wait a minute. What was their circumstance in Egypt? For 400 years, they were slaves. They couldn't leave Egypt. They couldn't do what they wanted to do. They were under the harsh whip of the taskmasters there. But, oh, we were well off in Egypt. That's a complete rewrite of history. <laughs> Therefore, the Lord will give you meat because of this Unbelief and this complaining against God because of their circumstance. He's going to give you meat, and you're going to eat. You shall eat not for one day, nor for two days, nor for five days, nor 10 days, nor 20 days, but a whole month until it comes out your nostrils. Now, what you were expecting to hear, until it comes out your ears, you know, that's that's, that's no, our normal expression, but it, it really can't come out your ears, can it? Because you've got the eardrums there. You have to blow your eardrums out for it to come out your ears. But have, ever, have you ever been sick and, and, and gone to in your vomit, you're trying not, and it goes up into your sinuses, and you get a little up in that nasal cavity? Oh, yeah. He says it's going to come out your nose because, uh, and becomes loathsome to you because you have rejected the Lord. Did you see? It's just complaining about the circumstances was rejecting the Lord. His past faithfulness wasn't creating in you a present trust. Because you have rejected the Lord who's among you and have wept before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? God's trying to get us out on a life of adventure, a life of faith, but we want to stay Tied to the dock. He says, Lift the anchors, let's go, boys, and girls. They said, No, it's, it's a little too scary out there. But there's always a trade off when we live by our base nature, seeking immediate gratification and trying to fulfill our body appetites, or to put our hope in temporal things like plastic toys. As the psalmist puts it here uh, in Psalm 106 regarding the loss of perspective in those wilderness experiences, in the world today as believer, that's our wilderness experience. Psalmist says this. They soon forgot their works, your works, his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them the request. He gave them quail burgers until it was coming out their nose, it says. He gave them what they were whining and complaining for, but what was also this other outworking of that provision? He sent leanness to their souls. Fatness to the body, but leanness to the inner person. You can't have it both ways. You can't make your primary objective this life and every plastic toy that it provides and seek a meaningful relationship with God. He sent leanness to their souls. They weren't filled with all joy and peace in believing in God's provision They weren't abounding in hope. He sent leanness. God created us in such a way that no other person, place, or thing can satisfy our souls. That innermost being. It's just the way we're made. You can kick against it, and people do every day. But then they fall into depression or the restless. And they wonder why, why this leanness in my soul? I'm doing everything that the advertisement says I need to do to find abundance. And yet there's this leanness I can't get around. We're just not made that way. Again, Psalmist points out in Psalm 42, verse 2, our soul thirsts for God. Our soul, that deepest part of us, that invisible part of us. thirsts for God, for the living God. You try to slake your thirst with other things, it can't satisfy. Because our soul thirsts for God. Again, it's the way he made us. When Abraham was afraid, he worried about the future, and he was overwhelmed by life, God spoke to him these words in Genesis 15:1, which are just as much for us today when we're afraid when we are worried about the future, when we're overwhelmed with life, God said this to Abraham, it's the same for us today. Do not be afraid. Put your name in there. He said Abram. He was talking to Abraham. Do not be afraid, Robert. Do not be afraid, Debbie. Do not be afraid, Vicki, Vernon. Do not be afraid. He says to us, I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. That's not Bill Gates or Biden or anybody else in positions of power speaking, earthly power. This is God speaking. I'm all you need. I will slake that thirst, that innermost thirst, and satisfy you. I am your shield your protection, and your exceedingly great reward. God himself became Abraham's greatest prize. His greatest Christmas present, so to speak. Later we are told that he tells his son Isaac, you know, as as. They're making their way up Mount Moriah. He says, God will provide himself a lamb. A sacrificial lamb to save us and an ever-present Lord to love us. That's what God provides. That's what Christmas is all about. I love that. If you were here last week, I showed that clip from 1965 on a major network where Charlie Brown is so frustrated. He thought this tree, this wonderful tree that he, he, he selected... Would make everybody happy. And they laughed him to scorn. He says, Does anybody, can anybody tell me what Christmas is all about? And Lenny says, well, I can tell you, Charlie Brown. And then he says, Lights. He goes out on the stage and he recites from memory Luke chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. He goes back, picks up his security blanket, goes back. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. This was that enduring hope that sustained Abraham day after day after day as he hoped against hope, waiting for the promise. Until, as it says in Genesis 25, verse 8, he died an old man and satisfied with life because his soul, in his soul, it was fatness, fatness. He was a friend of God, the Bible says. The only one that actually is described as that in the Bible because even though he was a weak and failing man like David after him and like all of us, he loved God and he, and he sought to trust God. When he was afraid. Isn't wouldn't his grandson say that? His great-great-great-great-great-grandson? Abraham? Excuse me. David. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. David's not saying he's never afraid. And that's this is the great warrior David. He wasn't a warrior of light, an awesome warrior of light, as the Jesus' storybook Bible describes angels, which I think is cool. But he was a mighty warrior, seemingly fearless on the battlefield. But he says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. I'll look up once my help comes. The prophet Isaiah Speaks of our exceedingly great reward in Isaiah 7 14. And this is, this is the verse that I really want to hang today's message on. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name. Emmanuel of course Emmanuel means god with us because god is for us he has our back and he is a gift to humanity later in isaiah isaiah 9 He writes, for a child will be born to us and a son will be gifted to us. It's not something we purchase, we never could earn. He says, it's just given to us freely. That's what defines a gift, it's free. You can't earn it, it's impossible or it's not a gift. And the government will be on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, There will be no end to the increase of his government, and there will be no end to the increase of his peace. This was the promise made through Isaiah. God with us, Emmanuel, is the gift that keeps on giving. Binding up the broken heart. Is your heart broken today? Or maybe online? Christmas is not a happy time. It's not a happy place. It's a sad place. Some of you are going through great trials today of all days. He binds up the brokenhearted. He promises to do it. He gives sight to the blind, strength to the weak, comfort to the lonely, hope to the depressed. (laughs) That's what he does. I love him so for, for all that he brings to this life, as wonderful as Christmas can be for many people, what we need is Christ. As much as I love eggnog, and I do, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. For he alone is that fount of every blessing, Let us find our satisfaction in him today, this Christmas day. And we, like Abraham, shall not be disappointed. We shall be satisfied. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here in person today again. I want to thank you again and for checking in online. Let's pray. And the worship team is going going to lead us in some more of these sacred and seasonal songs, these Christmas carols that we love so much, and other just sacred songs. But first, Lord, we're going we're gonna to partake of that which represents your body broken and your blood shed for us. Because the first part of the plan was the Advent, the first Advent, the coming The condescension and the humility surrounding your birth that you would come and show us who God is and what he was like. That was just the first part. But then the conclusion and the reason for the first part was the consummation on the cross, the body broken, the bloodshed. We're going to remember that. Mighty feet by taking of the communion. But if there's anyone here or watching that has not opened up your heart and made him your Lord and Savior, now is what a great day to do it. Or perhaps uh, brothers and sisters in Christ that have just kind of lost your way a little bit. And you're wondering why Christ feels so far away. Well, I'm pretty sure you're the one that moved. And you want to turn around and come back and just renew that faithful rapport with Christ. I'd like all of you to pray with me, just whether you're coming for the first time or again, just to prepare ourselves for the communion, for that sacrament, just in your heart, in the quiet of your heart, you can just say, God, thank you for sending Christ to die for me To take in his body my sin upon the cross, to be able to to actually nail to the cross that certificate, to tell us die, paid in full. That, That is what Christ uttered before he breathes his last, to tell us die, paid in full. There is nothing more that we need to do that would usher us into your presence. All, you did all the heavy lifting, and we just invite you into, the, into, uh, into our lives and onto the throne of our hearts. Thank you for forgiving us and for, for re- reconciling me to the lover of my soul and for my brothers and sisters. Lord, forgive us for just wallowing in unbelief and seeking to slake our thirst somewhere else. We repent of that, and we come to you, and we say, God, feed us. God, fill us with your presence. Strengthen me to be a light, your light to others, and to enjoy the love that you have deposited, the love that you have shed abroad within my heart by the power of your spirit every day through your word and through our prayers and through our intimate communion. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.